I'm Dr. Sterling. I'm a board certified OBGYN and mom. Welcome to the Becoming Moms podcast, where I give you the step-by-step to optimizing your physical and emotional wellness in pregnancy so you can create a nourishing environment for your baby, your family, and yourself. The information shared in this podcast is intended for general education purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard in this podcast. All right, lovelies, let's dive in to this week's episode. You are listening to a bonus episode of Becoming Moms. And not just that, you are listening to my pregnancy diary. At the beginning of my third and likely last pregnancy, I decided to document the experience and I have not held anything back. I talk about my fears, my emotions, how I'm feeling and coping. It's about to get real. All right, here I am. I'm seven weeks pregnant, I think. That's just based going on my last menstrual period. I haven't had an ultrasound yet, so my dating hasn't been confirmed. Um, I don't know if this is a viable pregnancy. All I know is, is that I feel way, way worse than I did two weeks ago. It's such a different experience for me this time. I mean, symptoms wise, it's pretty on par with with my daughter and my son. I've just, I have terrible first trimesters and I would also definitely put this in the category of like, I'm feeling miserable. But I'm also, somehow not as attached to this pregnancy, which is interesting. I mean, I think with my first pregnancy, I was, I was so, it was, you know, it was my first. I was really, the idea that like I had this little flicker of life inside of me was just so precious to me. And so I felt really connected to my pregnancy even before I ever did an ultrasound, but I had an ultrasound. I probably did one around five weeks I had a one of my um, colleagues do it because I was having a little bit of pain and I was like oh my god do I have an ectopic and I think we just saw like a little gestational sac and you know and then I had my like ultrasound ultrasound like with my OB at eight weeks then with Oliver I think I had an ultrasound with a heartbeat at um, around six weeks. And so this is the you know longest I've I've been pregnant without having some confirmation that this is that this is happening. This isn't a pregnancy complication. This isn't a non-viable pregnancy. And so I'm feeling a little bit more detached from this pregnancy. I just feel like crap, but I'm not like I would not describe I, I'm not feeling excited at all. Not, you know, and I think that I I guess I'm I'm really looking forward to if this pregnancy continues to later on. I do tend to get better. Like I've I've never had a pregnancy where I felt like crap the whole time. Some people do, and I'm just like so like in awe of of them and and when they if you know doing it again after having a pregnancy like that, I'm just like I don't I don't know if I could do that. It's um I don't want to use the word impressive because I think that people who decide not to do that again after having a really challenging pregnancy, I think they're also impressive to say like, no, I I can't do that to myself again. So it's just like, 
I guess it's more like I'm in awe of people who like, for example, have hyperemesis their whole pregnancy and then go for it again. I mean, I, um, I typically feel, start to feel better around 20 weeks and that there's no assurance that that's going to happen again this time. But I do actually enjoy parts of pregnancy. It's just not the, the beginning is just like so rough. And I think the, having the situation where I'm also like, I don't know that this is a viable pregnancy, I think also makes it just like, I keep thinking, oh my God, am I going to go through all of this? And then it's going to be a miscarriage or a pregnancy loss, or it was, you know, a molar pregnancy or one of the other pregnancy complications. I highly, I, I doubt that it's a ectopic at this point because um, I'm, I've had no pain, but um, you know, stranger things have happened. So um, I'm feeling really, really, truly miserable. And I'm definitely wishing that I could not that I could because I could. I'm I'm questioning my decision not to share the news of my pregnancy on social media because I feel really weird. I it almost like I can't show up, but I want to tell people why I can't show up in the same way. Um and I'm trying to muster the the energy to to show up. Um and it's hard. But I also like have just, social media can be such an icky place. I've had such, you know, I've had a few experiences with, with trolls and with people coming after me. And it's just like, you just want to protect your heart a little bit. It's interesting. I just sat down yesterday with Dr. Cassidy, who's a friend and colleague of mine inside Sterling Parents. We did a, a really, had a really great discussion and class about boundaries and she made this really good point about, um, you know, there's different types of boundaries and sometimes we have firm boundaries and it's, it's um, we need firm boundaries sometimes to protect ourselves, but firm boundaries are also, they can limit connection. And porous boundaries um, leave you open to, um, you know, leave you not as protected, but they allow for more connection. I think that's what I'm kind of struggling with is certainly my my social media and my my people in my community in my in the Sterling Parents membership community I really love that connection and um you know I not not sharing this news is a boundary that I wanted to create because I'm trying to protect myself from um, going through, like I would still, if I had a, a pregnancy loss or a miscarriage, I would still share that, but going, giving myself a little buffer of time to process it myself before I share it publicly was something that I felt like my intuition was calling me to with this reproductive journey. Um, but yeah, I definitely like, because my, the, the members in my community, I've shared with a few of them that I'm pregnant, but not all all of them. I also want to be really thoughtful with how I do that because we have people who are struggling to conceive in our community who are dealing with pregnancy loss. And I just want to think about that because um, I know that 
I, I definitely want to to tell my community first and not have them just like find out on Instagram. So I'm just trying to think about how to do that. I want to I want to do that in a really um, intentional way. So um, yeah, I'm just I guess I'm just struggling with um, those those boundaries because I do that connection with my community both on on Instagram and um, in my membership is really it's important to me. It's like, it's nourishing to me, um, as, as I hope it is to the, the other members of the community. So that's, that's, you know, something I'm struggling with a bit. I'm also just the nausea has just ramped up to such a degree. I hate being nauseous and it, you know, last week it's like, okay, if I was eating pretty consistently throughout the day like I could stave off the nausea and now it's gotten to the point like even after I eat I'm nauseous I'm like and everything nothing sounds good like I'm not I never I'm not one who really has a lot of cravings I mostly have like ugh, everything everything sounds awful I don't want to eat anything um but I need to eat and everything smells terrible everything smells terrible and that's the thing that like this enhanced sense of smell that some of us experience in pregnancy is just like my office smells terrible my dogs smell terrible like I just don't want to be anywhere and I forget how much I like I hate everything when I'm pregnant <laughs> like early pregnancy I hate everything and um Fortunately, like in terms of people, I haven't been feeling like super adverse to people, though um, it's definitely hard when like people need things from me because I feel like I can barely get out of bed and like putting on clothes actually takes a lot of energy for me to like, okay, you got to do it. You got to go. You've got to go into the office today. You've got meetings. Um don't want to do any of it I truly want to I want like a nap pod some kind of like cozy pod with lots of snacks and food and like tv and maybe some books and I want to go in there and be by myself for like a month and just like have nobody like nothing to take care of except for myself and the, this potential little embryo it's like all I want to do but Life goes on. I'm still a mom. I'm still a mom to a four-year-old who just started pre-K. I'm still a mom to a very hands-on, rambunctious year-and-a-half-year-old who requires constant supervision. I mean, we can't even baby-proof our house because he's so strong and aggressive. Like, there's no point in even putting things over the outlets because the, those little plugs in the outlets... Pfft, he figured that out two seconds pulled him out you put like one of the um the covers on smash break it apart and and it just makes him more interested in the outlet which means you can't like he has to be supervised at all times um and he's not as into like I can get him celeste was a little older when i was pregnant with him and so we played a lot of like games like sleep and fort where I just lied down and she put pillows on top of me. Like 
she I was able to get her to play games. He's a little younger and like he we can play like peekaboo and we can play some games. And fortunately, if I pretend like I'm going to chase after him, it gets him excited enough that he'll run away and then he'll come back. So I don't have to do quite as much, but he is heavy and um, I can't call it in. I can, you know, I'm definitely doing less than I normally do, like a hundred percent. I mean, my husband is doing a lot more than he normally does. Um, which is, of course, he's still a working ER physician, working a bunch of nights. He has a, such a stressful job. He works so hard. He does not sleep enough during the day. And I am just like a bump on a log. Like, can't make myself my own food. Can't. Yeah. So it's, I'm, it's a lot easier than the first time I went through this because the first time I was never, I had never experienced feeling like crap for just like months. And I didn't know if it was gonna get better and I was so scared and I was really, really nauseous with Celeste. I've had a surgery on my stomach um, because I had, uh, my stomach actually had herniated into my, my chest cavity. Um, and was causing me a lot of symptoms. So I've had a surgery on my stomach, which makes it hard, very hard, but not impossible to throw up. So I have the the benefit of not, like I'm not, I'm hyper, I would probably never be diagnosed with hyperemesis because I can't actually throw up. Like if there's a lot of force I can throw up, but then it's just such a small amount. So I just have like the nausea. And then the dry retching, which fortunately hasn't happened yet, but is something that I can look forward to later, um, potentially. So anyway, I just want to say, like, the thing that's was that is frustrating about these symptoms and was way more frustrating to me the first time was the fact that there was no amount for me. There was like. I couldn't rally the energy, you know, like when I've been sick in the past, like had a virus or whatever, and I needed to do something, I could kind of rally the energy. And I can't do that when I'm pregnant. And I have, you know, with both Oliver and Celeste, I had to go into the hospital and do 24 hour shifts. So I could go through the motions, but I didn't really have the energy behind them. Like, it never came. It was just a matter of forcing myself at absolute necessity. So I am in a much um, less stressed position this time because I don't have to go into the hospital and do 24-hour shifts and, and have people's lives rely on me. Um, and it's still so, so hard and it's so miserable. And I've got a ways to go. Um, I don't have an uh, appointment for an ultrasound until 10 weeks. I think if my nausea gets much worse, I may have to make an earlier appointment. But as of right now, it's gonna be a while before I have that ultrasound. And I'm just, you know, um, I think one thing that that is a little is a little helpful for me and this may be helpful for you, it may not, it may really not resonate. So for some of you, it may resonate. What's a little helpful for me is um, when I think of 
um, pregnancies. I, my own personal belief is that not all pregnancies are meant to go all the way and to end up with a live baby at the end. Um, I think that sometimes pregnancies come into our lives and it's like a, um, it's, it's something that the pregnancy was meant to happen, but it's not, I don't know. I don't want to say like, I don't believe that like miscarriages are meant to be or anything's meant to be, but I think that clearly not all pregnancies are going to go all the way and they're not all meant to go all the way. And so if, if, the idea of losing this pregnancy, I think that to me, it's not losing the child at the end. I think for a lot of people it is, right? They get that positive pregnancy test and you then, you envision that child and what that child would mean for your family. And they, they then like, they have a place in your heart as that you know, you'd have, you have to also, you grieve the loss of like the current pregnancy and also the loss of that um, potential. This early in pregnancy, I don't have, like, I don't, I haven't materialized a vision of who this, this baby is. Um, and I don't know if this pregnancy is meant for me to go all the way. Um, so I think that makes my fear of loss a little bit easier because I think for, for some people and pr probably people who like pregnancy is not their bread and butter and like what they do as uh, for a job, um, they have a different, like a different perspective on pregnancy of like, if you get pregnant and you're, you know, and then you lose the pregnancy that like, oh, my body made a mistake. And like, I, sh that pregnancy, I should have been able to carry it. And that should have ended up with a child for me. And if my body had, you know, it's like a lot of, a lot of blame on the self and of your body. And did I do something wrong? And I don't, I, I have a different perspective. Like I see the pregnancy and my body is an interaction. And sometimes the pregnancy is just not, not gonna happen. It's not gonna be viable and it's not, it's nothing, has really nothing to do with me per se. Um, I don't know, now I'm just rambling, but I think that's a little bit helpful for me, that perspective. I'm not saying that that's a perspective that people can just easily adopt. I think that's just a nature of my job and under just I before I ever got pregnant I had a different perspective on on pregnancy than I think most people do so um yeah that's that's where I'm at feeling like absolute crap hate this part of pregnancy um and the the unknown is just you know kind of kind of sucks to feeling like this or not feeling like this and not knowing what's happening it kind of sucks there's no getting around it but um this is just this is such as life so i'm um just kind of in survival mode and 
not really expecting much more of that than myself. Fortunately, after this being my third pregnancy, I've let go of a lot of the productivity guilt and a lot of the, the just a lot of the other crap that comes with not being able to really be yourself and do what you normally do. I've let go a lot of that and just like, this is a season where I'm just like, <laughs> I'm the blob who just tries to get out of bed every morning. And, um, I don't feel bad about like my kids having me be less um, helpful and I'm definitely less patient too. And to me, it's just like, this is the reality of life is that sometimes um, the, the people that you rely on and that you love, like sometimes they have stuff going on too and they're sick and they aren't able to, you know, not able to uh, be, the, the the best version of themselves for you at all times. So um, teaching my kids that like, yeah, sometimes mom, mom, like I feel like crap and I can't, I can't play the same way. And, you know, allowing them to show an, an opportunity to practice their compassion for another individual. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. So I'm going with that. So anyway, um, if you are watching this on IGTV, then um, I hope you have a beautiful day. We're going to end it here. We also take the audio from this and we put it onto um, the podcast. So the public podcast and the private podcast that's just for Sterling parents. So um, if... Um, you are a member of Sterling Parents. Hang on just a moment because I have some bonus uh, material for you. One of the things we're going to talk about is um, dealing with nutrition uh, while you have food aversions and nausea and talking about using food to help with your nausea and your nutrition and pregnancy. So that is going to be our little bonus section for Sterling Parent members. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're listening on the public podcast and you want to catch that bonus section, you can become a member of Sterling Parents at sterlingparents.com. So I hope you have a beautiful day. Sterling Parents, stay tuned. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Becoming Moms. If you are serious about optimizing the wellness of your pregnancy, then you definitely need to get your hands on my free guide, Self-Care Rituals for Pregnancy. This guide is filled with my favorite stress busters and wellness boosters for pregnancy. And along with the guide, I'm going to send you a short email series with my favorite tips for optimizing your pregnancy wellness. To get your hands on this free guide, head over to the Sterling Life com slash pregnancy self-care. All right, lovelies, until next time.